Okay. Good morning. So, the takeaway from today is something that before I knew Jesus, somebody said to me, and they said, read the Bible. The reason to read the Bible is it's a way to hear directly from God. The Bible's living, and it will speak to you. It did speak to me. You can let somebody else read it for you, but I'm just going to say the best thing any of us can do is to read the Bible, and if you can't read it, you can listen to it. We, we today have more technology than any time in the past, and you can have it downloaded on your phone. It can be available at any time, any time you have a moment. Let God speak to you, because he will change you, and you will benefit. So, let's talk about the Bible, how it got here, how we have it, um, and what it is. It's God's love letter to all people, all time. And it's the user's manual for life. It's composed of 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 books in the New Testament, for 66 books total. There were 40 different people who recorded what God said, and it was over a period of 1,500 years. Um, the interesting thing is that it's a consistent message from beginning to end. Now, getting people to agree, even people who live in the same place at the same time, I think we all know is not such an easy thing to do. It's one of the things that indicates that the Bible does come directly from God. So the Bible was the first book ever to be mass-produced. But when I say mass-produced, it was a, a much slower process than the way books are made now. But this man, Gutenberg, was a goldsmith. So he worked with metals and, and precise metals. And he used a wine press and he made, took molded letters and he put them in, I think it was 44 lines for each page, and so he copied each page, molded the letters for each page, and then he pressed them. So in a period of three years, he made 200 copies of the Bible. Um, that's amazingly fast. That was a game changer compared with the way it had been done previously, where every page was copied directly by him. Um, God wanted his word to get out. He wanted it to be available to all of us. So at this time, there are between five and seven billion copies in existence today, the printed copies, and there are many more electronic copies that are going to places where having a physical Bible in your possession is a dangerous thing to do. So. God uses technology. He's, you know, he, he is the author of it. He uses it for his purposes. And I recommend that you download it on your phone so you've got it with you. 
So the Bible answers the questions of life. It's, it's the manual for life. But so I want to look at a few of them today. Um, specifically, who is the author? What is the character of the author? And what is the character of the reader of the Bible? Huh. <laughs> and technology is, is not without its, um, its sins, uh, <laughs> as ours is. However, so the key message today, the, the key verse that I am putting before us, is a verse that if it had been taken to heart um, by the organization that we used to be part of, would have prevented the need for the disaffiliation that we went through. So, 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, from this, what part of scripture should be should we be aware of all of it? Can't get that unless you read it yourself. Right? No one has time to present it all to you. It's, it's, it's up to us to be students of the Bible. Um, and what does God say? So, so God is the author of the Bible. And that's clear from the, the consistency that we talked about before. But it, but it says right in here, it says, all scripture is God-breathed. He's the author of all of it from beginning to end. Um, but he says it's useful. right? And he, and he says, what is it useful for? For servants of God, that's us, that's everyone who believes, to be equipped for the good work that he has for us to do. So preparation for serving God means knowing his word. Right? What changes us? Where does that come from? The Spirit of God, and the Spirit of God is the author, the breather of the words of God. What is God's character like? What does the Bible say? So I, I have quite a few verses here that indicate God's character. So Romans 3, 4, let God be true and every human being a liar, right? There is no comparison between God and his character and our care except in this way, right? We don't measure up. <clears throat> Hebrews six eighteen, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, Said that's God's character. Whatever God says is true. Whatever we say may be questionable. <clears throat> it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. What if God's word wasn't true? It wouldn't be the character of God that, that was presented. It, if God were not 100% true in everything that he always says, all of creation would not hold together. 
it folds together because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. God is truth. He creates truth. He sustains truth. He is truth himself. Hmm. Another one. Malachi 3.6 I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Um, this is an interesting promise, especially for the days that we're living in now. God doesn't change, which is a wonderful thing, but the people that he chose, um, they are not destroyed, and they will not be destroyed, regardless of what people say. First Samuel 2 2. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Psalm 48 1. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. We will never be able to praise God too much but we will have an eternity to try. Psalm 68.5 A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. Psalm 103.1 Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, Praise his holy name. What does holy mean? Holy means set apart. It, it means set above. God is set apart from people. Um, he is immeasurably better than, than we can express. Isaiah 6.3 and they were calling one to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. It's interesting that in, in Romans 3, um, Paul, or no, Romans 1, Paul says we are without excuse because his glory of his creation is evident to everyone. Right? You cannot live without seeing what God has done and is doing all the time. So let's change gears a little bit. What is the character of the readers of the Bible? What, what does God say in his word? Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Some things, they, they need no comment. Isaiah 64, 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us 
away. It's interesting that the Lord says that our best works are our righteous acts. I like that he laughs. And the truth is, we're born sinners, and sin affects everything that we do and everything that we say. Where can we find help from our condition? What does the Bible say? Isaiah 55, 9. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. The promise being referenced is that David would have a king a descendant of his, to sit on God's throne forever. And who is that? None but Jesus. Isaiah 1.18 Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Jeremiah 29.11 I hope this is a familiar passage. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Amen. Our God is good. Hebrews 4.12 For the word, of, the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Romans 12.2 Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Second Timothy 2.15 Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I never thought that I would um, be here and be saying these things. But one thing I always said is if I ever did, I would speak about heaven and about hell and about Jesus coming back. So let's see what the Bible says about heaven. Now, obviously I cannot cover all of the things that the Bible says in, in this short time. So here, here is one thing. Um, from 1 Corinthians 2.19 That is... 
That is what the scripture means when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. What this is saying is, heaven is better than anyone has ever been able to imagine. Heaven is being in the presence of the Lord himself without any of the baggage of the sin that, that we feel here on this earth. When we see Jesus, we will be like him. That is, our sin will be behind us. For those who believe, we are counted righteous because of what Jesus has done for us, but we are not physically um, experiencing the full level of the righteousness of Christ as we will when we see him face to face. So what does the Bible say about hell? The Bible actually speaks more about hell. There are more places where it speaks about hell than it does about heaven. Hell is is very real. Heaven is very real. And our time on earth is, is, is like a moment in comparison of either of the destinies that, that people will end up in. Now, now hell was not made for people. Hell was made for Satan and his angels that rebelled against God. And the Bible says, I desire that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. So that, that's God's feeling toward you. He loves you. He loves you intensely. He died in your place. He paid the price for your sins. So he doesn't want you to go to heaven. I'm, he wants you to be in heaven with him. He does not want you to go to hell. And he will speak to you your entire life. But if you refuse to surrender to him, hell is your future. That's what the Bible says. But, so Jesus said... It is better for you to enter life maimed with two hands to go, no. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands to go into hell where the fire never goes out. I know, so hell is a little bit easier to imagine than the the details of heaven because I think all of us have been burned at some time in our life and we all know that it's extremely painful and the pain lasts on. So I think that that's a reason that it's described this way. Um, Where the fire never goes out. God doesn't want you to go there. I don't want you to go there. I don't want anybody I know to go there. I don't want any of my friends to go there. I don't want any of my enemies to go there. It is real and it never ends. So what does the Bible say about Jesus coming back? Okay, so the Bible was finished nearly 2,000 years ago. Um, But this is what Paul wrote to the Thessalonians that he spent a couple of weeks with. So let's read this. 1 Thessalonians 4.16 For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left 
will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Right? This, this is our sure hope, seeing Jesus face to face. He has promised that he will return. His promises are sure. Um, but as I said, the Bible was finished nearly 2,000 years ago. So we are nearly 2,000 years closer than when this was written. So we are very close. They were close then. We are very close. But think about this. Everybody's life is a span of, let's, let's say, 100 years roughly. We live for 100 years. But at the end of that 100 years, we will be in this situation. Right? If Jesus doesn't come tomorrow, which he might. He might come today, he might come tomorrow, he might come in a year. Watching the news, you think it's close. Um, but, but in any case, at the end of our life, if we die first, we are in this passage right after this because it says the dead in Christ will rise first. Right? So the time until Jesus returns for any of us is a much shorter period of time than the time that has passed already since this was written. Okay. Uh, it's not going to work, but so I have a question. How can I be certain that I will go to heaven? Again. Oh. I, 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 thought, I thought electronics were instant. What, what happened? What does the Bible say? John 1.12 Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Exercise this right. Lord, we thank you that your promises are true. You do all things well. You are a great God. There is no other. There is no comparison. Lord, we love you. Lord, we ask that you would be with us throughout this week. Hold us close. Help us to keep our eyes fixed on you. Lord, we praise you. In the name of Jesus, both now and forever. Thank you, Clyde.